What's the crack? Welcome to the Irish Voice Podcast, another edition of Family Therapy. Around the kitchen table with my mum, Jacqueline McGuinness. Hello everyone. And this week we're going to talk about Jesse Marsh's recent comments about Manchester United and their structural setup, especially with the new takeover as it is. We'll have a bit of a banter back and forth about crazy season and see what transfers will come away this week. Have a look at the Spurs game moving forward and then take a look at what is left for Manchester United now in January. So first up, Jesse Marsh's comments. You posted this on Instagram. What did you make of them? I thought they were pretty damning. And I think that's why they got rid of Ralph Franjic as quick as they could. Yeah, do you think that Ralph sort of seen that and advised that to the likes of Jesse Marsh, the likes of people who he had worked with in the past and maybe possibly shared his opinion upwards in Manchester United to which they took offence and got rid of him? Well, apparently anyone who leaves, a manager who leave Man United have to sign an NDA. Yeah, someone alluded to this when they went out. It's been in a couple of outlets. Jose, was it? Did Jose come out and sort of damnly said, I can't talk about it? Yeah. Yeah, so you, you sign like a, a waiver to say that you won't smirch the club. Non-disclosure agreement, yeah. that's it. You won't smirch the club. That's crazy, that, isn't it? Yeah, but that's the Glazers. But it was a really interesting way to do it because Jesse Marsh can't be hammered for it. He just yeah, indirectly said, look, I had a conversation with Ralph Ranick and for anyone that hasn't seen this yet, check out our Instagram page and have a look at the reel. It's actually really interesting to watch and, and listen to it. Sorry to interrupt, Ray. I think it's from an interview he did with a channel called Upfront. No, I could be wrong, but the full interview is on YouTube and mm. it's over an hour. So that's just one insert from it that he was talking about. He, you know, referenced Man United and how shit they are from the top. It's the, the comments he made about the lack of cohesion and communication. And it was interesting to hear him directly reference the scouting department and turn around and say that the scouting department are actually not linked in a communicative way with any of the structure of Manchester United. They're basically not listened to. They're a function that is operating at a very high cost with absolutely no end product. And if they produce no end product, there's no accountability because the structure of Manchester United is wrong. And when Jesse March was calling that out from having a conversation with Ralph Ranić, I thought, right, well, direct comparison here. Jesse March was at Leeds. To all extensive purposes, he portrayed himself as a bit of a doom clown but and a failure and a failure but if Jesse Marsh is having conversations with Ralph Ranić and doing comparisons in Premier League clubs and at Championship clubs is not being highlighted but Manchester United or what does that say about it but he referenced Ralph Ranić so it's coming from Ralph Ranić oh yeah it's, it's Ralph Ranić's direct quotes damning, you know towards the club but I think come back to your reference to the scouting department there have been reports numerous reports coming out recently that the scouting department are actually ignored yeah that it was Ed Woodward that was going after this these Galactico signings and the, apparently the scouting department told the board that Anthony was not worth 25 million and they scouted him a few times when he was playing for Ajax Anthony is Ericsson Hag's signing it wasn't the board that identified Anthony. It was Ericsson Hag. Ericsson Hag turned around and said to but John Murda, and this is this is where you come to the crux of Manchester United's problems. You have a manager instructing our supposed director of football, John Murda, that he has to sign Anthony and that we need Anthony in and the football will change if we get Anthony. And you have someone in that position of power who doesn't have the backbone to turn around to Ericsson Hag or listen to his scouting department and say. No, I feel that's wrong. That's it. They ignored the scouting department. They ignored the scouting department. And John Burda stuck with the man that he brought in and Ericsson Hag signed Anthony through and it's been a mistake. You know, it's it's damning to see these uh, mid-table clubs that are producing these players that are playing better football than Anthony. 
Michael Lee said Crystal Palace is a brilliant example of it. But also, I've said this before, I think Anthony Alanga's output this season is putting Anthony to shame. Because he used to be our player. £15 million we sold that lad for to make room for the likes of Anthony in this team. And Anthony Alanga is showing more than Anthony. And I don't think Anthony Alanga is the standard to which Manchester United should aspire to. But it's quite damning that our starting right winger who cost £90 million isn't as good as he is. Well, I agree with you. But he was asked in his press conference today about Anthony. And he said that his off-field problems are impacting his play. But he also said that that was down to Anthony, that he has to get that sorted out. In other words, his personal life. But he also said that he's not delivering the performance we expect from him and he can do so much better. In his opinion, is what I would say to that. Well, if you watch Anthony playing for Ajax, he's a totally different player than the one playing for Man United at present. I agree, and I don't really like Sky Sports style of journalism because I think at times they try to pick at a scab that's already there. Anthony's a very easy target, but they did a really damning report during the week there, Mum, and they highlighted players who were actually playing better in the Dutch league, who were pumping out better offensive stats than Manchester United's Anthony. Rude Hullet, they slammed him before he signed for Manchester United. They said that he's not the best winger in the Eredivisie that he's been signed for a premium, but they don't think there's a player there that warrants the money that he's going for or that warrants starting for a big club. Now, these are the players that you would expect kind of to garner the money. Cody Gakpo was one, was outscoring Anthony in the Eredivisie and sort of garnering all that respect. Sinistera, who ended up signing for Leeds, had more goals and assists that season than Anthony did. But Anthony was signed for 90 million. I think Sinistera went for 17. No, he's overinflated, big time. That's insane. Yeah, it is. But that's the board. No, I believe that's the manager, Mum. But the board have to okay that, Rory. Yes, yeah. the manager wants him. But the, that's the finances are coming from Man United Football Club. But so should there not be a, a certain amount of blame put on Erickson Hag? Should there not Absolutely. be the accountability to turn around and say, there how are you that poor a judge of character? But the higher accountability comes from the Man United Club. Yeah, but what my point is... You See, I'm have sorry a to interrupt, right? But you, if you had footballing people in positions to make decisions like that, Anthony would not have been signed. I agree with you. But I don't see how you can't see the negative in a football manager who can't pick his own players, who managed the lad well, yes. for a couple of seasons and actually decided, you know what, this is the signing that I need in the Premier League. That's the point of it that I can't get at the minute. Surely it falls at his feet and someone has to turn around and go, what made you make that decision? Because we're taking this from what he said today. And to go back to that original point, in his opinion, Anthony can do a lot more. He has not shown that since he came through the door of Manchester United. There have been flickers of the Iron Robin-esque cutting inside and shooting and scoring, but glimpses of it. Few and far between. Yeah. I know what you're saying, but the bottom line is, Rory, that any manager can go to the board and say, club, Pep Guardiola, anybody can go to their board and say, I want such and such. And it's up to the board to okay that. It's up to the board to look at the finance and say, all right, we're going to pay 90 million pound for a player that's not even worth 25. But should a manager, should a Premier League manager not have a certain amount of tactical noose and scouting noose to be able to see players that would be implemented into his system? Like again, not to sound like a broken record, how did he get this one so wrong? How did he actually decide that it was a good decision to spend £90 million on Anthony and that Anthony was the player to fix his system? Now, let's put it into context. Anthony came about at the end of the transfer window last year. 
there was an initial decision from Manchester United Football Club that they were not going to sign Anthony. Ajax had done their business early and Anthony's figures had pushed it into a stratosphere that we did not want to approach. Then we seen Ericsson Hag start to his tenure at Manchester United and it was a disaster. And during this disastrous period, he decided I would be doing better if I had Anthony. And he pushed and pushed to get Anthony and the, and the panicked club panicked and, bought him. and the club bought him. Yeah. But off the back of Ericsson Hag's continuous recommendation, there were two transfer targets that entire window. Anthony and Frankie de Jong. Ten Hag players and players he believed he needed to play his style of play. Now I can't speak to Frankie de Jong, but my God, did he get it wrong with Anthony? Because if he's trying to implement his system this year, Anthony's one of the issues that he has. And now that he has done the Jadon Sancho situation, which I agree with, I'm glad he's gone to appreciate Orban for a play, sold on Anthony Alanga and now he's selling on Facundo Palestri, he lives and dies on whether he can get Anthony worked on that system. And I don't... Do you see it? Do you see Anthony coming to... And I agree with you, there were glimpses last year that there could be a, a, an excellent player there. I was going to say world class, but that's a stretching. Um, a good player there in the making for Man United. There were glimpses, but this, well, this season, everybody is playing blow power. Yeah. I've got one for you. Honest question. Did Anthony Alanga show more in the glimpses that he'd shown in the Manchester United shirt than Anthony has? In a United shirt? So far, nothing to do with his time at Ajax, right? Just solely in a Manchester United shirt. Do you think that Anthony Alanga did enough to warrant more of a chance at Manchester United that Anthony has done so far? Playing for United? No. And that's my honest opinion. You think Anthony has been better in a United shirt? I think they've been about equal. But I don't think Anthony Alanga has been better than Anthony, no. So... One cost £90 million and one was sold for £15 million. And I'm just asking this objectively. Do you think the right decision would have been to leave Anthony in Holland and try and see where Anthony Langer would develop to? Well, hindsight's twenty twenty, of course. Yeah. But no, I, in my opinion, Anthony Langer is not what we're aspiring to. He's doing really well at Nottingham Forest, but in my opinion, again, that's his level. Are the club right to let Facundo Palestri go and keep Anthony? Yes, for two reasons. We're not going to get rid of Anthony, not in those wages, not at those inflatable prices. So, Facundo Palestri, the lad needs to play football and he's not going to get his time at Man United. Is he a better footballer than Anthony? He's a more tenacious footballer than Anthony, yes. But, no, I would like, I would have loved it for Palestri to work out. He seems a right good lad and he seems, he's a really good footballer, but... When you have somebody on the books that costs that much and on those wages that you know you're not getting rid of anytime soon, it's it's right for both parties to part ways. Well, in the realms of hypotheticals, if I took the money out of the equation and you were the manager of Manchester United and I said, right, Jagmin, you've got two players here and I can only keep one. No. I'll either keep Facundo Palestria or I'm keeping Anthony, but I have to ship one. I would get rid of Anthony. I would agree with that. I, that's my entire point on this. I would agree with that. I would have Facundo Palestri playing for Manchester United more than Anthony. But there's other variables you have to take oh, into 110%. It. But variables created by this manager. Yes. And, I'm and not the board, for you. Yeah. You can't solely pin it on the manager. Yes, Eric Ten Hag has to do... Blame has to be attributed to Eric Ten Hag. But that board okayed that at that money. They did. And he has seen Anthony fail in a Manchester United shirt, but he has chosen to defend him. He will fire other players to the Wolves and he will sell Facundo Palestri and limit that lad's game time. And you just said you would keep Palestri over Anthony. 
So I blame nobody but this manager. I don't blame the board on that. I blame the board on the financials and him being brought in. But if Eric Ten Hag didn't want Anthony to play, then he wouldn't play Anthony. And we've seen this with Cristiano Ronaldo and the case that he made for Ronaldo. And we've seen it with Jadon Sancho when Sancho showed his flicker of insubordination and Eric Ten Hag decided, you know, that was it. That was done. But Anthony can be accused of whatever and he gets shielded by the manager. He can play in whatever standard of football he wants to play and he gets shielded by the manager. And I don't think that's good enough because I agree with you. I think Palestri gives Manchester United more if he starts than Anthony does. So I don't know how Anthony is still on that pitch. Apart from blame being assigned to Eric Ten Hag because he picked him, he has stood by him and he needs it to work. Otherwise he looks like an idiot. Yeah, because it's a big financial investment by the club. Not only that. If you take the finances out of it, he has stood by this lad the whole way through his career so far at Manchester United. The lad can do whatever on the pitch and off the pitch and he gets to play. I don't I disagree with you to a certain extent because he's not he's quick enough to sub him in games. Why does Facundo Palestri not get the chance to shine in Ayrton Hag's system and then be subbed off if it doesn't work? Why is there such a consideration for Anthony at the minute? I'll tell you why. Because he picked him and he has to make it work. And that's all it is. And if, and in my opinion, when it fails, it's going to be solely on Ericsson Hag and not the Manchester United board. Well, it is going to be on the manager if the manager keeps picking him. It and is. he's not producing. It's going to be interesting to see if Facundo Palestri goes in this window because I suppose this segues us then into the transfer in the silly season. Do you know what? I'm sticking by my prediction. I honestly believe, and there's an awful lot of hopium in this statement, that... The loan fees for Jaden Sancho and Donny van de Beek will be combined with the Facundo Palestri sale to sign Sadio Garassi. Well, I'll give you more hope. Okay. That apparently, um, now this is reports coming out of Spain, that Benfica wants Alvaro Fernandez done this week. I actually seen a few things on this recently as well, and apparently that is a real... And Joe Hugel is going to Burton Albion. Yeah, Joe Hugo going out isn't going to garner any money though. I think the Alvaro Fernandez one's interesting and definitely the Facundo Palestri one because that is raising funds for something. Mm. You know, and I think the decision on Facundo Palestri is a wee bit, it's about six months overdue, in my opinion. But he does have a surplus of right wingers now that Ahmed Jallo's back. We've been linked to another Ajax striker. Don't ask me who because I read the headlines and I just glossed over it. I couldn't even tell you who plays up front for Ajax the minute. There's a really good Mexican striker playing up front for PSV. Jimenez. Very good finisher. He's been touted to be going to a few different clubs. Much like say, do you know why I'm pinning my hopes on Sadio Grassi? Because this lad was linked for 15 million to absolutely everybody at the start of the January transfer window. And it's mad that nobody has activated that clause. Nobody has gone straight away for this player. So with an awful amount of hopium, I think Manchester United, who were strongly linked to the lad, have maybe made contact with his agent and said, look, we need to raise the funds, but we will take your lot in. It's <laughs> enough lot of hopium. Isn't it? It is. Crazy amount. Crazy amount. But, I don't know. It... To, Why wouldn't you leave Palestri until... Tell me if I'm wrong, right? That Gerasi yeah. is 27. Yeah, is he 27? 27, 27 yeah. So. This is the first time I've ever heard of him. Yeah. This season. He's a striker that costs 15 million. I'm not pinning big hopes on him. You'll get him in on a permanent transfer. He's been scoring goals in Germany and he costs 15 million. In the current state we're in now, it makes total sense. Yeah, as long as the board don't off him a quarter of a million a week. 
No, I think he'll, he'll come in in humble wages as well. It'd just be a big chance for him to come in. There is a real strong affiliation between the African nations and Manchester United as a football club. I think we've seen this with Odeon Gallo. So, Sadie Grassi, I think, would love the opportunity to come and play in a United shirt. And I, again, opium. I'm hoping that's what's swaying him. A bit like a Gallo, he's sitting in the wings and just thinking, oh my God, can this actually be a possibility and can we make this happen? But, who knows? That's a complete guess, but I have no basis for that. I just think they're raising the money for something. And my guess is grassy. Right. Anything else crazy has come up from last week? Any other mad ones? Someone mentioned to me, Karim Benzema, who I said would be a brilliant signer for Manchester United, but that's madness now well, at this point. it cost an absolute fortune. Yeah. I've seen the wages he was on. He's on like 550 grand a week. Yeah. So even if you happen. cover half his wages, that's 275 grand a week. So if Anthony Marshall's still there, we're all right. Anthony's not going. Anthony Marshall, that is. Apparently not. Yeah. Well, no. The, the crazy one, one is, um, we all know about the Fenerbahce links. Yeah. Inter Milan apparently are interested in taking him on loan until the end of the season. I don't get this loan scenario at all. Someone would need to explain to me why any football club would pitch a loan deal to Manchester United for a lad that's out of contract now in a couple of months. Get him off the books. Get his wages off the books. But why would they pay his full wages? Do you know, are they going to pay United on behalf his wages because he's going anyway? I mean, if that was the scenario, I would take that. But there again, does that not feed into my theory that a striker is coming? don't know, but um, there was an article last week, was it BBC? And this is all to do with financial fair play and getting wages off, not necessarily um, selling players, but getting the wages off the books in order to bring somebody in. That's that's a big one. That needs to happen. Jaden Sancho, we've all set some of his wages. Donny van de Beek. Going to be nice to get Anthony Marshall out. Yeah. I mean, Anthony Marshall is in faded wages as well. And you've played your hand. You know, you've played your hand. Now. You've not activated the extension. You know that he's leaving for free in the summer. The whole world knows now that we've made that mistake with Anthony Marshall. It is what it is. So mm-hmm. we have no, we don't owe him anything, and we can just move him on to move another piece into Manchester United that has a bit of a longevity. I think they got burned by the loan. I think the reason we haven't seen them move as quickly this summer with loan deals is they were burned last year. Sabitzer was hit and miss. Veghorst was a fail. Rahulian came in alone. Blah. Yeah. Total blah. He was only for cover. Yeah, he was only for cover. So I think they are trying to raise look the funds to move for somebody. Johnny Evans was signed for cover. And look how many games he's played. Johnny Evans has done all right. But he has say, do you know something? I'm going to... It's not really outlandish, right? But I would keep Johnny Evans for another year. I wouldn't. I think Johnny Evans is one of these brilliant modern-day scenarios, right? Where we look look at everything that Johnny Evans does right with rose-tinted glasses and don't look at what he does wrong. Simply because Johnny Evans costs nothing and he's an ex-Man United player and it makes for a good story that Johnny came back into the squad and did an alright job and warrants a new contract. I don't think Johnny Evans is as good as people are making him out to be. I think he's buying average no, in I, each game. I agree with you. However, right, if we're going to buy two centre-backs in the summer, hopefully, and that's what I want for the club, right, Johnny Evans as backup, backup. Campbell. Oh, yeah. He'd still be there. Yeah. yeah. But I'd rather see him get the minutes that Johnny Evans would steal from him. Johnny Evans was there. But, and we discussed this during the week, Victor Lindelof triggered a year, but apparently Yuck. there's a couple of Italian clubs in for him and they want a bit of money for him, right? Um, 
Parent Wires contract is up in 2025. Okay. Varane will be leaving this season or next season. But next season? Yeah. We need two centre-backs in. So that's what? Martin is two centre-backs, Kambala and Evans as backup, backup. I, mean, I would keep Evans for another year. He's it's Martin isn't for another year. He gets the club. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. It's Martinism Varane for another year. Because Raphael Varane, he has 18 months left in his contract, whether they trigger an extension or not. Varane is going to be there with Martinism. Varane should play with Martinez when he's fit. Then you're looking at a backup for Raphael Varane, which I believe is going to be Sean Clare Tadebo. I think him not moving to Spurs and staying there for another season at Nice, another half season at Nice, just indicates that he is going to come to Manchester United. So there's your two in the right-hand side. Then you need a left-hand centre back to cover Martinez Willie Campbell can play on the right hand side so I think he will be utilised in that space you need a left sided centre back and then if you got another one that would be nice mm. I think they need a right back they need to sign a right back if we're talking about transfers not happening in January but we're looking forward to the summer we have to sign a right back. We cannot go into another season with Diogo Dallo and Armand Bissaka. And this half, you know, one can do one that the I other can't Armand do. I think Armand will go back to Crystal Palace. Dallo, if you want to go forward, Juan Bissaka, if you want to defend, but you lose the offensive output with Armand Bissaka or you sacrifice goals because Diogo Dallo's headless chicken when it comes to defending. You need to need an out and out starting right back going into the next season. Somebody established, somebody who is elite. That needs to be a priority, more so I'd say than centre-back. Because I don't see Harry Maguire going. Not now that he's had the season of his life. You think they'll renew his contract? Well, he's not out of contract this summer, is no. he? So why would he leave? He's another year. I think Maguire could be another potential Anthony Marshall. I think Maguire stays at Manchester United and stays in a Man United. It seems to be the trend, though, doesn't it? I mean, we've put power into the players hands for years now so I don't think this is on the current regime but I can see a lot of players following the Anthony Marshall Harry Maguire blueprint where yes Manchester United want rid of you but you simply turn around and tell the club you have no power to get rid of me you have no say on putting me out of this football club and if you want me to go that's grand you will be mitigating the wages that I'm about to lose by packing my contract in to sign for a West Ham or to sign for a Fenerbahce like Anthony Marshall is going to rinse us for every penny that he can get out of us and then disappear out to Turkey and because Fenerbahce aren't paying a transfer fee for Anthony Marshall then they'll be willing to pay him higher wages so it suits the player and it suits Fenerbahce I can see Maguire doing the same I think Maguire will be a United player until he runs down the contract because I don't see why he would leave well financially yeah I think we're starting to see now the Problems and the issues that we've caused for ourselves with these massive contracts. I tell you another one. Um, Jaden Sancho going back to Bruce Dortmund. Looks like a brilliant story. He's kissing badges. He's all happy. Could have dropping a part of his wages. But is he going to be happy to go and? play in Dortmund permanently for what Dortmund are currently playing, paying him now I don't see it Jin Sancho will go to the highest bidder come the summer 110% but what if there is no bidder even if he has a, a good season well a he's going to have to take Dortmund. a financial hit and so is the club yeah I think there could be a contract cancellation with Jin Sancho 
There could be. I think the only two players that United realistically get money for in the summer, Scott McTominay will get a transfer fee. I believe that. You'll get something for Victor Lindelof. And who else would we be talking about going that could actually... Aaron Wan-Bissaka will get a transfer fee. So three players I think United will make money off. I don't really see anybody else at that football club bringing us any money in, do you? No, unless there's some shop transfer like Marcus Rashford or Bruno Fernandes. No. Mbappe is leaving PSG. PSG will sign someone. There were rumours that they were interested in Marcus Rashford beforehand. I don't know. Would Lewis Enrique buy him? Does he feel like a Lewis Enrique player? I mean, Lewis Enrique is dropping the stars out of that team to play the kids at the minute. I don't see him bringing a Marcus Rashford in. The club would. No, the club definitely would. Yeah, because he still has a name in football, yeah. Marcus Rashford. But would Enrique be okay with that? I don't think so. They're going to need a big name, though. With off, Mbappe going. Off topic from Manchester United. Where does Mbappe go? I can't play see the game. Any, where does he go? Anywhere else but Madrid. Do you think so? Yeah. They play where? I know Vinny Jr. plays his yeah. role perfectly for Madrid. There is rumours now, gathering rumours, that he wants to go to Liverpool. No. Yeah. And it's to replace his... Salah? And Diaz plays off the other wing maybe, so that Mbappe can play on the left. That's nightmare fuel. That'll keep me awake tonight. <laughs> I can't see it happening personally, but can you see Liverpool Football Club? Paying, what is that lad on a week? Is he on half a million or what? I have no idea what he makes. I think he knows that he'll have to lower his wages to go anywhere else. I think he's ambitious enough to want to play in either the Premier League or La Liga because he believes he's the best player in the world. Apparently he was desperately unhappy that he was locked over for both best player in the World Cup and for the Ballon d'Or. And he believes he has three or four or five Ballon d'Ors in him like Messi and Ronaldo do, that he can rule football. Now, he could do that at Real Madrid. But the ultimate stage in football now is the Premier League. It is. It is stolen the spotlight off La Liga. Madrid and Barcelona don't have the pollen power, I think, globally now that the Premier League. are winning the Champions League at the minute. So if he came into Liverpool and he rules the world in Liverpool, he takes Liverpool to another Premier League, he takes Liverpool to another Champions League, he'll but win he the Ballon d'Or. He would do. He's incredible. Mm. I didn't give him enough credit for how good a footballer he is and I've watched PSG a few times this season and watched France this season. His movement, his oh, off the ball it. movement is incredible. As good as a player he as he is on the ball matches. and as brilliant as he is at gliding past players and running beyond players and his trickery and his shooting and that, his off the ball movement to give and go and get himself into positions is unlike anything I've seen in football. He's incredible. He's just that good. I think no matter what club he goes to, he's going to be a force. It'd be interesting to see if he would go to Madrid, but the play were. Vinny Jr. is not going to give up his spot to Kylian Mbappe. Because Vinny Jr. believes that he's as good as Kylian Mbappe. Yeah. Which is would be an interesting one to see. I don't know. Have they, uh, Barcelona have, can't afford him. They've basically said no. Have they employed him as a forward um, at PSG in some matches? He's played up front for France and he's played up front for PSG. Yeah, he has, Mum, yeah. Well, you could have that like fluid front three with Madrid, you know, interchanging positions and 
all that good stuff. Wasn't there a career map laid out at one point for Erling Haaland that Erling Haaland would end up at Real Madrid? That Man City was the next venture, that it was Borussia Dortmund, rule Germany, then come into England, he's going to rule everything with Man City, he's won the travel and stuff like that. Wasn't the blueprint that he would end up at Real Madrid or that he would end up in La Liga? I believe I read that somewhere. Oh, is that when him and conjecture. Yeah, I think so. I think I think Haaland ends up going to Madrid at some point. So I don't see where Mbappe, Haaland, Finney Jr., Rodrigo all fit into the same plan. Especially now when you've chewed Bellingham. I mean, that's galactical heaven for... Yeah, it's off the scale. It is. is. It is. But I think I think Haaland suits their plan more than Mbappe does. Look, Madrid will take Mbappe because of the star that he is. 110%. And they'll find a place for him. I think Mbappe would be shrewd enough, though, to turn around and say, no, I want to be the star. I want to be the player. Replacing Salah at Liverpool. Stranger things and all that. Yeah, a lot of the Liverpool fans are convinced. But they're delusional anyway. Do you know, I am the type that's going to go now and Google that within an inch of its life afterwards, and that is potentially ruining my weekend. So thank Sorry. you for that. Yeah, well, it makes a change from United ruining your weekend. We still have Sunday. <laughs> Well, it was a short weekend. <laughs> so, yes, the Tottenham game. Ange versus oh, Ten Hag, round two. It's very interesting what he said in his press conference about Tottenham. Hit me. Now, this is not verbatim, but he said they're very enjoyable to watch, a lot of dynamics, very proactive. Spot on. Yeah. They are. They're, they're very enjoyable to watch. They're very enjoyable to watch because it's chaos football. It's a bit like Klopp when Klopp came in the first time. And you're like, what is this? How can a team so, you know, fluidly attack another team and leave themselves so open at the back? Mm. You know, it's just, if we score, brilliant. If we don't score, here's your chance. But I think he used the word proactive a couple of times. Do you think he's trying to hint at his own squad? It smacked of it to me. You know, they're very enjoyable to watch. They're very dynamic. They're proactive. Well, we're not. No, not at all. Not even close to being that style mm. of uh, I don't know. Is he just pondering to the crowd? I suppose it'd be nice that there is a silver line in a statement no, like that. I think he plays the media really, really well. Because he was asked about um, Jaden Sancho. One of the reporters asked him about Jaden Sancho. And he replied... Um, what did he reply? Oh, he wishes him well and the best of luck, right? And then somebody else asked him a question and some other dopey reporter went back to the Sancho bit and he turned around, he says, I think I've answered that. Ah, well, for a bit. He does have a a strength to him when he does He does, you know, in other words, I have answered, you've asked, I've answered, that's it, draw a line under it. So, I think he's a a type of man that just speaks his mind. Did he allude to anybody being back for the weekend? He... Mason Mount and Victor Lindelof and Mount's back? No, sorry. Let me finish here. Oh, don't do that to me. I love doing that to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Malassia will not be back. It's too soon for what Just alluded... lead with that, will sorry, you? Just no, turn no, around no. and say, it's look, so the following right. players will not However, be back. However, um, there's a good chance of Casemiro and Martinez been back. But he okay. also said, in other words, haven't played in a while. So they might not be starting matches, but they could be on the bench. Two huge boosts. Huge, huge. Yeah. 
Do you think Casemiro would play with Kobe Mainu? And would that allow Kobe Mainu to, to go forward that. more? I'd love to see that. And I'd love to see Kobe Mainu doing the box-to-box bit. Yeah, so would I. I think Because Kobe Mainu can defend. And he's an excellent defender. But his I watched the Wigan game back in highlights, Mum. And yeah. some of his close control in tight moments is just exceptional. We keep making the reference. He's Pogba-esque. It's he just is. that ability to take the ball away from somebody Hopefully we're not the in a moment the and his passing ability is incredible. Mm-hmm. His range of passing is incredible. He's a very composed player. He's a very mature player for his age. He is. And you have to think, this lad is setting a standard now at the minute that looks good enough in the current Manchester United team to play, yeah. to play certain games. What is he going to be like in four or five years? Oh, it's scary. The it is. You know, his trajectory is just off the charts at the minute. And I mean, if he hits the heights that he is meant to hit this lad, and we're talking world class, because that's what they're saying, fair play to England for having Kobe Mainu and Jude Bellingham on the books. God. Do you know what I mean? England, that England youth grassroots football has really stepped up its game. They are producing player after player after player. They really, really are. Football clubs are really starting to come around to that. But referring back to Kobe Mainu again, um, was it Laurie Woodwell said? that he's got good people around him, which I was happy to hear. He's his good family background, very level-headed lad. That's what you want to hear as well. That is what you want to hear. On the Spurs game, what do you think happens on Sunday? I think we have a good chance of beating Spurs. I really do. Because of the high line that Spurs hold. I think... Similar to Villa. Very similar. They are very similar. The only thing is, do I trust our defence? Not really. Yeah, I would say Tottenham's attack is much stronger than Aston Villa's yeah. is. I think Ange will probably go out with the philosophy is um, they'll score, but we'll score more. Possibly. I mean, you're always going to turn around and look at the fact that they're missing Son, right? Son's a huge miss to them. But even without Son in recent weeks, we've seen Richarlison, Kulazewski, Brennan Johnson he's stepping a up. Kulazewski? Yeah. Yeah, he's magic. He is. Brennan Johnson's a good wee lad too. Mm. You know, full of pace, full of running, full of industry. He kind of reminds me of uh, the likes of Cole Palmer, where it's just non-stop going at you. Yes, not everything comes off and not everything works, but they're very you young lads. Young players. Yeah, they're not young players. Will. And they're willing to get at. And when you have a back line like ours, if Martinez isn't back and starting, and you are having to play Johnny Evans in there, and this misshapen Wambasaka Dallow fallbacks dynamic, yeah. you know, who takes what wing, Dallow playing off the left. These sorts of players like Kulisevsky and Brandon Johnson are going to hurt you. I trust Aaron Wambasaka to shackle Brandon Johnson. I do not trust Diogo Dallo up against Kulisevsky. I mean, Kulisevsky will give him the run around all game. And that maybe is where you would employ Garnacho back on the left and maybe play Anthony and drop Rashford. Does Rashford come back no. enough to help Diogo Dallo? He does not do his defensive duties at all. He's going to have to. Because Kulisevsky is backed up by Pedro Boro, who when he marauds forward is dangerous cracking fullback so that's where I see Manchester United getting hurt at the weekend I do think it's going to be a lot closer than people think a lot of people have said you're getting hammered this weekend I don't see it no don't think so we'll score and they'll score it's who can come out of that battle who wins the individual battles all over that pitch and the big ones for me are going to be our left side versus their right side Poron Kulusevski versus Dallow and whoever he decides to put out in that left wing and the middle of the park, I think. Because if Casemiro isn't in there, we're looking at what? Is Amrabat fit? Amrabat's where they have from the cup. Oh, flip, I keep saying this. So he is. Yeah. 
uh, Christian Eriksen. Tony and Kobe Manu playing against the Tottenham midfield. Eek. Because yeah. they have got star back, don't they? He's a brilliant player. They have a few missing as well. Ben Davies is missing for them. Yeah, that's just missing. They, they, they're missing their back line. Yeah. They've got this Dragostein fella in to mitigate the injuries that they've had. But is he going to be much fit? Is he going to be able to play? I don't see that. I don't think he throws him straight in. So, I mean, I've seen Tottenham leak some absolutely crazy goals in the past few weeks because they have to play full-backs and centre-back positions. And Eric Dyer has just gone out because Dragostein has come in. He wasn't really playing, though, was he? No, he wasn't. I mean, it's damning that Ange Postacoglu was playing full-backs over Dyer and centre-back. I don't yeah. think he's seen Dyer as a centre-back. Because you have to remember, Eric Dyer... Started his career as a holding midfielder at Tottenham. Mm. We were used to him being a holding midfielder. He was a holding midfielder at Sporting Lisbon as well. Yeah, and then I think it was, was it Conte decided that he could be a ball playing centre back? Of course it was. And then Ange decided no, not for me. Yeah, well, see, this is it. Score, score prediction. If I asked you now, what do you think the score will be? Don't say 3 1. <laughs> no, it's 2 1 you go for, isn't it? It's 2 1 every time. It's 2 1. Yeah. I think it'll be a draw. Think so. I'm predicting a draw, yeah. Two each. I think. I think United beats Spurs. My God, that's positive for it. Yeah, I do. I think with the Villa game, you sort of seen the blueprint for how Manchester yeah. United can counter attack you and get at you, and that's where we really flourish in games. And I think Tottenham will naively come into this trying to beat us because they do. Ange has no plan B. It's attack, 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 attack. And when it comes off, it's brilliant. And when you exploit it, it's not so brilliant. And if there was ever a game for Eric Ten Hag to sort of garner a bit of respect back, this is the one. Yeah, that's why I think Rashford starts. Because that's the only thing he's good at. Do you know what? Against Spurs, if they can find those runs and they work this week in training and they're finding yeah. those runs, Marcus Rashford could be very dangerous. Very dangerous. A brilliant outlet. And I think he would go... for If he decides that he can beat Spurs, he'll go with Rashford and Garnacho. If he thinks Spurs are going to be in the ascendancy, I think he has to play Anthony if Anthony's fit. Because Garnacho does his defensive duties on the left and Anthony will do his defensive duties on the right. We'll see what happened during that, that Wigan match. He was absolutely shocking in the second half. So what you do is you put Rashford on the left, Garnacho on the right in the first half, right? And then shift them over. If Rashford's not doing it the second half, then take him off. The way I've kind of caved a bit on my praise for the sake of praise where Marcus Rashford is concerned. I truly believe that Marcus Rashford and Bruno Fernandes are luxury players. They're players that you can suffer if you don't have them in the same team. Give the ball away through two different different outlets. Bruno Fernandes' passing at times really bugs me because Bruno Fernandes gives the ball away a lot in possession trying to play the killer ball and yes when it comes off it's brilliant and when it doesn't it's simply giving the ball back to the opposition and putting us under pressure Marcus Rashford does the exact same thing trying to take people on Rashford tries to go for the Hollywood the spectacular YouTube take on where he tries a few flicks and tricks and all these silly wee things and all of a sudden he loses opposite because he tries to take on two players someone dispossesses him and then the team comes out of the traps at us you can't have two players like that in the same team no. So when things you are going can carry brilliantly, one, but not two. yeah, when things are going brilliantly and you're attacking teams and you're all over teams, Fernandez and Rashford look brilliant like last season. 
But when you are under the cosh and you're having to defend and Tottenham are coming at you, you don't want those two lads in the same team. You don't. Now, it's going to be interesting to see when the lads get up to speed, whether I'm right and he plays Mount in the 10 to accommodate Casemiro and Mena in midfield, plays Bruno off the right and drops Rashford for Garnacho. That's what I would do in Hoyland. Because then you've got that outlet with Bruno Fernandes, who I know people don't like in the 10 position. Some people think he overlaps with Mason Mount. I think you're seeing that at the minute with Scott McTominay and Rasmus Hoyland. I think Hoyland comes alive if he has the service out in the right-hand side of Bruno Fernandes. He's a very good crosser of the ball when he has the time Mount who will look for him. Mount's a selfless player, he'll look for the striker. So I think this weekend I can't really call like who if we went one to eleven, who's your goalkeeper? Is Onana still here? Onana's still here. Madness. Yeah. Well Onana will start. Um Aaron Wampasaka. Varan. Evans if Martin is isn't fit. Dallow if Shaw's not fit. Midfield. I would I would pick Christian Eriksen over Scott McTominay, so I'd have Manu and Christian Eriksen. Yeah, I agree. And then Rashford, Hoyland, Garnacho. I think the team picks itself because of the injuries and illnesses that I've seen, so unless there are shocks to come back, I'm going with a very similar setup to what we've seen at Wigan. I think it's going to be same backline, same goalkeeper, midfield I see being the same. If Ericsson's not back, Kobe Mayne and Scott McTominay. Bruno obviously plays as the 10. I don't think he drops Rashford. I think he plays Rashford on the left-hand side. He's going to play Garnacho on the right-hand side. It's the, it's the Wigan team for me. Yeah. Same team play Wigan. I agree. Uh, so, yeah, I mean... Although it's stick Ericsson in for McTominay. Would you? Oh, Definitely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree with that. But is Erickson fit? Can Erickson play? If he is fit. And then who have we got now for the rest of January? Are we not on a break? Are we on a break? Isn't this the winter break? Oh, yes, so it is. Do you know what? That is not coming. It's coming at a brilliant time for Manchester United. It, it really is. has. It gives us a full what you're talking 13 days before we have to play Newport County which kind of feels like a day off no offence to them Newport and Eastleigh whoever gets through there you should be beating them so our first competitive strong game is Wolves away on the 1st of February what a boring shit two weeks this is going to be I really don't like the international break once it comes into it I lose I suppose it's because Ireland are crap you can lose all interest in football and no, I don't but this, is this an international break or is it the winter break? Premier League winter break? I have no clue. Well, if it's the winter break, there's other leagues on. Hopefully. But that is going to be all we have time for this week. So thanks for listening to this and make sure you check out the socials where we have constant contact up on Manchester United. And also, folks, next week we're going to be launching on YouTube and we're going to be doing a few videos a few catch-ups trying to react a bit more yeah, instantaneously Rory's solo next week because <laughs> mummy's not going on YouTube don't worry I'll bother you on to it in some stage uh, but yes thanks for listening to the podcast and we'll be back next week with Family Therapy we're going to be around for the Spurs game we'll do the pre-lunchtime and post-match analysis that's going to be our first effort on YouTube so stay tuned bye everyone